Broadcast. I am coming on here just to answer a question uh, that I received on uh, the recent video I did on um, uh, why I'm not a Reformed Pado-Baptist, where I where I addressed Reformed Pado-Baptism in specific and gave some reasons uh, why I do not adopt that view as my own, uh, some reasons why I disagree with it. Um, and in the thread underneath that, the, the comments, uh, there is a person who asked a really good question, I thought, and I thought it was such a good question that it was worth doing a video on. And uh, this person just goes by the name Jacob, and his question is this. He says, what resources would you recommend to study the importance of the mode of baptism when practicing credo, not pedo baptism? In short, I'm thinking about how to think about adult converts baptized by Lutherans. I've heard of several Baptist churches who would insist it wasn't a valid baptism and thus require immersion before receiving such a one into membership. I'd honestly love to see a video on it, but you're busy enough that I'm happy to just have some reading materials or some reading recommendations to help me think through this. Thanks. Well, thank you, Jacob. That's a good question, and uh, hopefully I can address it here. Now, I'm not going to give a comprehensive answer. There wouldn't be enough time. Uh, to do that, and uh, we'd probably have to do a, a kind of um, series of videos really to answer this question with any amount of, of comprehensiveness. But I, I will say that that the issue really uh, branches off into two parts. It's a twofold problem. It's a twofold issue. And the issue consists in the doctrine of baptism in general. Okay, so like we just asked the question, what is baptism? Okay, and and that would include many things, right? Uh, many answers. Uh, baptism, as a Baptist, I would say baptism is immersion, right? Uh, immersion of a believing person, uh, someone who has professed Christ as their Lord and Savior. They have a credible profession of faith. They know what Christianity is. They know the gospel, and they believe the gospel. They've appropriated it to them by to themselves by faith. And they, as such, have become a proper candidate for baptism. I think that's a, the biblical example. Um, that's the uh, that's the command, but it's also the the explicit example that we receive in the New Testament in terms of how baptism is actually carried out. So there's the doctrine of baptism. We just asked the question, what is baptism? That's one that's one part of the issue. The other issue is more specific than just the doctrine of baptism itself, and that's the mode of baptism. I think Jacob was right to point out the importance of mode here, um, because that is one major difference that that Baptists, for example, have. Uh, with Lutherans, among other paedo-baptistic traditions, of course. Um, but one of one of the, the discontinuities between Baptist theology and Lutheran theology is the mode of baptism. Lutherans believe that infants uh, can be sprinkled, um, and they, they do this as well with adults. They, they, don't, they don't necessarily do immersion. I don't know if there's ever been a Lutheran church or a, a branch of the Lutheran tradition that's ever practiced immersion. That would be an interesting study, at least immersion of adults. But as it stands, usually they just sprinkle. I know I grew up as a Lutheran personally, uh, Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. And um, when, a, when an adult would be converted, 
um, and would have a credible profession of faith, of course, they would be brought before the congregation and sprinkled as an infant would be. Then, of course, obviously not held over the the uh, uh, the font, but uh, would stand next to it while the pastor would administer uh, the sacrament of baptism. So. Uh, the mode is an obvious difference that has to be addressed as well. So let's let's begin first, though, with the doctrine of baptism. Baptists and Lutherans have two pretty substantially different doctrines of baptism. Um, I, I would say there there are some commonalities in terms of perhaps what we believe. You know, baptism signifies what it depicts. I don't think a Lutheran would have any problem saying that baptism is is to be a picture or a representation of our union with Christ, for example. So that would be a similarity. There, there would probably be some other similarities as well, but those would really be tangential. Uh, there's, there's a substantive difference in terms of what we believe baptism achieves. Baptists do not believe that baptism achieves regeneration or effects regeneration in terms of a causal relationship. In other words, the Lutheran might say that through baptism, uh, God, or actually through means of baptism, the baptism being an instrumental cause in this in this scenario, God through means of baptism regenerates the subject. All right? They would reject ex opere operato, which is the Roman Catholic doctrine, that it's in the work itself that regeneration is caused to occur. You know, they would reject that. Um, but they would say that God... Uh, through means of baptism, regenerates um, the, the, the subject of baptism, okay? So there you have infant baptismal regeneration, okay? And Baptists would say, well, no, there actually is no causal, uh, immediate causal sense in which that's the case, right? So Baptists would reject, I myself would reject baptismal regeneration. I do think that you know, sometimes in church literature, especially the post-canonical church literature, you know, where baptism is is being used kind of equivocally with the term uh, regeneration, or at least being used to 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 signify regeneration, I think it's proper. You know, you can, in as much as baptism signifies our regeneration and it's kind of a sign to us that regeneration has occurred, it would be accurate but not proper to call baptism regeneration or to call it remission of sins, you know, to use that biblical language. I don't think there's any problem with that. I think there are Baptists that have problems using that kind of language. But me personally, I don't have a problem saying, you know, baptism is your regeneration, just like we might say, I, I used this in a recent article I wrote, just like we might say that, that you know, the radar signature for a storm, we might point at that and say, that's the storm, when really that's not the storm itself. That's a signature of the storm. That's a sign of the storm. Yet it's accurate, and everyone would know what we were talking about if we said that the radar signature was the storm, even though we understand the storm to be somewhere out in western Kansas or something like that. All right. So there's a sense in which we can call our baptism our regeneration, etc. Um, but the, the baptism itself is not our regeneration, nor does baptism bring about the effect of regeneration like the Lutherans uh, would say it does, albeit the effect, the efficient cause would be God the Spirit, and then through means of the instrumental cause and moving cause being uh, being the uh, the baptism itself. Uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't understand it like that. Okay, so so there's kind of a mechanical for the Lutheran. There's kind of a mechanical relationship between the administration of baptism and regeneration. If an infant is baptized, right by you know all you know all conditions 
requisite conditions obtaining that the Lutheran believes must be there. If, if an infant is baptized, they're regenerate. Okay. There's, so there's a mechanical relationship between, you know, the, 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 their doctrine of baptism, their practice of baptism and regeneration itself. For the Baptist, we would reject that. We would say there is no necessary mechanical relationship between those two things. Um, and, and baptism is not an instrument of regeneration. God, um, if you, if you wanted to use the term as broadly as possible, you could say the instrument of regeneration is the word as the spirit applies it, right? And the spirit does that freely above, beyond the will of man. I think if we say that baptism is the instrument of regeneration, what we're, what we're saying is that, that, that essentially that infant's regeneration or that person's regeneration depends upon the will of man. And, and I could pull it up in scripture where, you know, John, for example, John 1, I think it's very clear that, you know, a person's new birth doesn't come by virtue of the will of a man, be it the patriarch of the family, the husband, um, men in general. Um, it, you know, uh, Jesus tells Nicodemus that uh, the spirit moves like the wind. You know, it's unpredictable. We can't control where it goes and where it departs to, how it comes or whatever. Um, and and I think when you say that there is a an instrumental mechanical relationship between baptism on the one hand and regeneration on the other, you're basically saying that no, the Holy Spirit's movement is predictable. Uh, it's 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 related directly to an act of will in man, um, and we would we would just reject that. Um, so the doctrine of baptism between the Baptist and the Lutheran. Uh, is is very different. It's divergent, and for that reason, we would reject Lutheran baptism as baptism, period. It's just not the doctrine of baptism. We don't believe that that's what baptism does. We don't believe that that's what baptism achieves, etc. Then you have the second issue, which is mode. So let's say, for example, uh, they did like the Reformed Pado-Baptists do, the Reformed Presbyterians, like the Westminster folk and all them, and they they didn't causally unite baptism and regeneration together. So, for example, Reformed Presbyterians, wouldn't they wouldn't hold to baptismal regeneration either, but they would also hold that infants are to be baptized through means of, of, of sprinkling or, or, or by that mode. Um, and we would say that that's, that also is a departure from the true doctrine of baptism. Uh, the examples that we have in Scripture are immersion. Now, I know that, you know, Presbyterians especially will come back um, Pado Baptists will come back in general and they'll say, well, what about areas in the world where they don't have pools of water? You know, you get these areas um, in, in, you know, Ethiopia, for example, or in the Gobi Desert or something like that, where you may not have an abundant source of water. Or if there is any standing body of water, it's in the ground. It's in a well somewhere like 50 feet deep. So you're obviously not going to immerse somebody down there. So what do you do in that case? Well, I would think, I think that, you know, and, and this would this would of course be a case by case basis, and um, but but let's say you know you ha- in the in the off chance that you had someone move here from um, you know Africa or something, and they were baptized they were they were Baptist, and they were baptized by mode of pouring they weren't immersed. Well, I think that you know we would we would be inclined to accept that baptism. I would personally I would probably it'd have to probably be a congregational discussion. But I would be inclined to accept that baptism because of the circumstances. But that wouldn't be normal, right? So that 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 baptism occurred like it did because of certain circumstances that were just insurmountable. 
uh, by the parties involved uh, at that time and in that context. So, so I think you'd have to take a case-by-case basis. But in terms of a normal mode of baptism, sprinkling is not a correct mode. Uh, and as Baptists, we would reject that as 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 an as a true baptism. Though it wouldn't be as seriously divergent uh, if it was just sprinkling, um, yet not baptismal regeneration. It wouldn't be as extremely divergent from the Baptist view as, for example, the Lutheran version of baptism. But it would nevertheless be considered not a baptism. It's it's not being administered according to the pattern of the scriptures. I mean, we we see. We never see infants baptized in Scripture, and we never see adults—I uh, mean, we never see infants baptized in Scripture. That's true. That's obvious. I've done videos and, and written articles about that elsewhere. But here, as it pertains to the mode, we've never seen anybody sprinkled with water in the Scriptures. Now, they'll appeal to kind of the typological relationship between blood and water and Christ's blood and water baptism. They'll say, well, you're sprinkled with the blood, so therefore you're sprinkled with the water. Well, um, there, there. Actually, Scripture doesn't make that connection. Um, the The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus looks back to the sprinkling of the blood of bulls and goats. It doesn't look back to this. Now, if that if it looked back to the ceremonial washings in some way in which the Jews did ceremonial washings, then that might be a little bit more significant. But the ways in which the the Jews did ceremonial washings actually consisted of immersion and full body washing. The uh, the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, as that language is used in Hebrews, looks back to the uh, the ceremonial life of the Levitical priesthood. In the Levitical priesthood, the ceremonial life of the Levitical priesthood and the sprinkling of the blood of bulls and goats looks forward to that ultimate sprinkling of the blood of Christ, which is the atoning blood of Christ, which is communicated not through, and again, not mechanically through, baptism, but by the Spirit of God. Uh, as the Spirit of God works faith in us sovereignly and independently of the will of man. So uh, that's what I would say just initially. I know that's not a comprehensive answer, and I know we're only really about 15 minutes in here to the discussion, but um, I hope, Jacob, that that helped. Um, and so if it were me, just to bring this back to kind of the practical aspect, if it were me and and, and we had someone who came to our church um, who was a true believer, who... Uh, who has now adopted Baptist theology as their own. They're leaving Lutheranism. Perhaps they came to faith in Lutheranism. Um, they heard the true gospel proclaimed in Lutheranism, and they believed and they were, quote-unquote, baptized in, Luther- in the Lutheran tradition. Um, if they came, you know, from that, uh, from that uh, uh, you know, from that context to our church and pe- petitioned us, petitioned the church for church membership to be joined in fellowship to us, uh, then we would we would require them be baptized and not rebaptized. Uh, we're not Anabaptists in that sense. We, we don't believe in rebaptism. We re, we actually re, we just reject the the uh, supposed doctrines of baptism and Lutheranism and Reformed Pado baptism as true baptism. They're not true baptisms. So we would say you need to be baptized for the first time. Uh, those were not baptisms. So we would just reject that doctrine of baptism, and then we would, and of course, this would come within the context of of, of kind of a, a, a teaching, an explanation of why that's the case. It wouldn't just be like, no, you have to be baptized our way or no way. Um, we have we have kind of a, a new members course that, um, that everyone goes through before they're put before the congregation uh, to petition them for membership. And um, and um, so it, it would it would take place within that context. It'd be very 
uh, charitable interaction, uh, you know, between us and 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 a, a process of instruction in terms of what we believe about baptism and why we would reject the Lutheran baptism. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, I hope that's helpful. I hope that's helpful to anyone else who's been wrestling with that issue. It is. It's sensitive because uh, you have people who are coming perhaps from traditions that they that they grew up and that they grew up in and, and still love in, in one way, you know, I, I grew up in the Lutheran church. I love all those people still. I, I, I have fond memories of, of all of the people I knew from teachers to pastors. Um, and I love those people. I, I, and a great, many of them I would consider brothers or sisters in Christ, even, even though we have some serious disagreements theologically. Um, so it's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? When you have somebody come in, they're just now coming out of the tradition they perhaps grew up in, and they've just adapted, you know, they've just adopted Baptist theology, or they love your church more than more than they love the church they're coming from, or whatever, whatever the situation is, they've had a bad experience, or or whatever, and you're you're essentially asking them to renounce something, i.e., baptism uh, or alleged baptism that they once at one time held dear. And then they have family members, of course, that surround them that that feel responsible uh, for that person's baptism in a sense, especially if they were baptized as an infant. And so it can it can come as a as a great offense to you know the 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 people who they're essentially departing from in terms of belief. They're they're not maybe not departing from them in terms of the one faith that maybe they share in common, but they are departing from them in terms of the their tradition and 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 their doctrinal their doctrinal stances on some on some important issues. And so it's a it's a careful thing. And if you're a pastor, I would just encourage like a new members kind of a, a class, a kind of a catechetical class. Not not in terms of you know delaying baptism to such an extent, you know, three years they have to sit under teaching or whatever. Um, but just something that that would that would educate them in terms of what you believe, in terms of what your church believes, church covenant, church statement of faith, co- uh, confession, or whatever, and then that way, and then just kind of make that a a a, a requirement. Um, and um, and and I would just say that 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 that's probably one of the best the best ways. Just kind of make that a a formal thing that that you do with everyone petitioning the church for. For baptism, it's a it's a good way to to put a finger on people's professions of faith and how genuine they are. Um, it's a good way to let them know what you guys believe, so they can be studied in it, so they can know it, and so they don't make any decisions flippantly. Um, and it's also a good time to have those conversations that are sometimes tough and rocky and and maybe a little bit uh, offensive in some cases. Um, and if you just if you just kind of made that a a formality of the church to do that to do that class. Then I think you you provide a context to have some of these sensitive conversations that that will be helpful for both you and them. So, anyways, hopefully this was helpful. If you guys enjoyed this video, don't forget to subscribe, click the red button, click the bell for continued notifications, and a thumbs up would be helpful as well. Have a good evening.